Check, check, check. Uh, we're going to start off with the mic on uh, high sensitivity so you can hear some of the noise in the background. Somebody on a motorbike, somebody was just cruising with their windows down and very loud music. Uh, which wasn't that bad, actually. There's a wind, there are birds in the trees, there are people everywhere. This has become a very, very popular spot, the uh, Bluffers Park. Yeah, I mean, it always is, but it seems to be even more so recently. Um, and that's not a bad thing. And that's, again, why I love it so much in the colder weather in the winter, when there's just nobody around and the, it feels like the whole place is mine. So I'm going to turn this mic down and uh, hold the, uh, the Olympus a little closer and get rid of some of this background noise. All right, so hang on. Be patient. I'll do it right now. There we go. See the difference? Hear the difference, I should say. Um, I made some notes on my uh, note, you know, app, and then realized, gee, it wasn't really synced up to my iPhone, and I don't want to go back to the car to get my iPad uh, to see uh, what those notes contained. I don't think it was really all that important. Um... No. There was a Yogi Berra quote. Oh, let me see if I can remember. I should be able to do that much. Oh. It's so silly and it's so simple, and it was used in church last Sunday. Oh, I'll come back to it. I'll come back to it. Rather than mess it up. You're probably seeing it in your head already. Well, no, you're not, because there are many Yogi Berra quotes. All right. On my lap, I have the book by Michael Perry called Population 485. I've only got one story left to finish, and I'm going to finish that by next weekend so that if uh, our good friend Michael, the virtual youper, does in fact show up for the Marshall McEwen Variety Hour in Hamilton next, no, two weekends from now, then I'll be able to return it to him. It was his book, uh, an excellent book. I am very, very impressed with how well it's written. I mean, really good storytelling. And, and from somebody I've never heard of before, uh, a guy, uh, it, it's just, it's great. It's really, really well done. Uh, I only skipped one story, and that was called Killing a Cat, or maybe it was just Cats, but I know it involved cat killing. And uh, there was only just, I just glanced, and there was one line I saw which really upset me. And I thought, no, I can't go back to that. So, oh, it was called Cat, period. Probably the best story in the book, but I can't read it. Uh, I'm so, so attached to my new cat. It, it's unbelievable. And, and that cat with me, like, it just... <laughs> it's funny. I mean, cats are such interesting creatures. Sorry, I'm going to go on just a little bit here because I can't help it. <clears throat> it's decided that uh, me, who it loves, and my hand are two different creatures. So the hand is fair game. It can bite that hand any time. And I, I allow it to sort of lick my hand and then gnaw on it a little bit. But every once in a while, the teeth really do sink in and it hurts. And, of course, I have nobody to blame but myself, so I, I just tell the cat, Yuki, that's not nice. That's not nice. Don't do that, please. <laughs> but um, it happens again. <sighs> For something just to come in your life, of a sudden, you know, like, hey, this cat showed up on our doorstep. 
and then disappeared and then came back. And now it is just such a permanent part of my life. There's a bit of a battle going on in the family right now. My son, and I think my wife to some extent, really think the cat should be allowed to play outside. And I'm just too afraid of losing it. Uh, But I'm going to be gone for two weeks. And I have the feeling that cat is going to get out the door while I'm away. So I think I better take preemptive action and get a collar for it. And there's already a little, it's had a rabies shot, so it's already got a little thing from the animal clinic, from the cat hospital, with that number on it if it was found. And I think they'd be able to track down the cat. (sighs) Don't want it to come to that. And the cat, you know, hey, who knows? Anyway, I can't bear the thought of losing that cat ever. And um, I just love the fact that it just, you know, while I'm sitting at the keyboard at my iMac... It will insist on lying down in the space between the iMac monitor and the keyboard and rolling over and say, hey, come on, scratch me under the arms. That's my favorite place. And, of course, the favorite game when I'm sitting on the toilet is for that cat to uh, jump up and push open the door and act cute and playful. So, all right, we'll, we'll park that because I know a lot of people think, oh, my God, come on. Is that all you've got to talk about? Well, it's things in my life that mean something, all right? It is a Monday. Um, Sunday night, I reached my goal. I, I achieved what I needed to achieve. I sent all the host families, uh, except for the teacher, to Japan in time for the parent meeting. And then Sunday night, I got a phone call from somebody saying I might not be able to do it uh, for very legitimate reasons of working shift work and so on and so it's back to oh my god the students are now coming out like a week tomorrow they will be here and I may be short one host family like how could this be and how am I going to solve the problem and what am I why am I sitting here in a, in a folding chair in Bluffers Park doing a podcast when I have to solve that problem I guess sometimes you can't you can't run around in circles. I've done a lot of what I can do through social media, through friends, through calling people. There's a certain fatalism to me just saying, well, it'll work out somehow. But that's not really accurate. It's me who has to make sure it works out. And I just don't quite know what to do about it. And it's, uh, it, 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 it does cause a lot of stress. On top of which, this hippity-hoppity-thump-thump-thump walk that I've developed is really getting aggravating. And it's, it's so pronounced. Like, everybody notices. Oh, my God, what happened? And I have no idea how to cure it. I, I think, like, my hips and my spine are out of alignment. I, I think it would involve... A true chiropractor, not the one I went to through PhysioMed. I'm not about to give them any recommendations. Nice fellow and all that, but this needed proper treatment. And uh, I don't think I got that. And now I'm worse off than I've ever been. Maybe this was related to the sciatic nerve pinch that caused the leg to be in acute pain. Now the pain pain is gone which I'm partially giving credit to the uh, acupuncture, which I go back to tomorrow. 
But meanwhile, I just can't walk any distance. And, and the distance that I do walk is this horrible thumping noise. So it's, uh, it is, it is a, a major, major inconvenience. And uh, I guess I should probably give my doctor a call and say, look, what should I be, should I be concerned about this? Uh, I do, I've become more clumsy. I am losing my balance. Sometimes I'll be walking in a store and just sort of miss a step and almost feel like I'm going to fall over. And I'm quite sure, absolutely sure that's tied to the little mini baby stroke I had. My balance is off. And that's not a good thing. But this is not the forum where I want to whine. In fact, I don't want to whine and complain anywhere because it doesn't do any good, number one. It doesn't make me feel any better. It doesn't help you at all. Um, I'm just saying these things. That's all. It's just it's just a fact. Wow. Holy shit, man. Get yourself together. <laughs> and uh, I don't quite know how I'm going to be able to do that outside of uh, getting some professional help. All right, let's move on to better things. Um, I was in church Sunday, as usual. Um, I feel closer and closer to the people there and enjoy it more and more. And, and one of the thoughts that I had while I was in church listening to Greta, Greta gives, I guess you'd call it a sermon, a talk. It's amplified. She's got a little headset on. And it's very much to me like being back in university and you're, you're, you're called upon to think, to reflect, to, to listen carefully. Try not to let your mind wander off, which sometimes happens. And really get into what it is she's saying. This is, the theme of this was an awful lot of why. It's not just what you agree to do, what, you, what causes you agree to take on and what protests you'll join and march in. But being very clear about why. Asking yourself why. Why am I doing it? It's not enough just to follow and maybe that's like hitting the like button or the, you know, sending off. You agree that uh, no more rhino poaching in Africa or whatever. Make yourself feel better because they thank you for signing your name up with the other 10,000 names. She said, ask yourself why. Why am I doing this? And the answer... I believe is because it's just and it's right and it's a cause you believe in. And if you just try to join everything and try to, you know, superficially connect with everything and take on every cause and every action, it's really not possible. You're not going to have a lasting effect. You're going to wear yourself out or you're just going to be very ineffective. And it's far better to find what it is you believe in that you think is important and apply yourself to that. Go into it on a deeper level with more commitment. Once you know why it is that that's the cause you're supporting or believing in. And, and I think that is good advice. That that may be a, a slanted interpretation of what it was she was telling us. But that was certainly part of the story anyway. Uh, and I thought at that time, gosh, I wish all my friends would come to this church. And it was this sense that this is, this is the best possible church you could join. And I know that's ridiculous to say that, and I'm, let me qualify it before you get up in arms. This is the best church. 
This is this is wonderful. This is it. This is the answer. This is the future. I'm in Boston town. And then I thought, what about all those people who find just the right form of yoga or just the right diet or just the right something or other? And then they need to sell everybody else on it or rave about it. And I realized, wow, I could sure be in danger of doing that about this church and Greta and thinking that the thing that I found that suits me and is perfect for me, the danger of, of thinking that must be perfect for everybody then, and of course how ridiculous that is, somebody else might want to go to, for example, just a Roman Catholic church, just for the sheer beauty and awe-inspiring decor, the stained glass windows, the gold, the silver, the painted ceilings, the, the icons, the crosses, the, the so much about its history. I mean, I love, I can sit in a church like that. I have that favorite one in Quebec City. I, I pay a pilgrimage to every single year, and I sit there for a good hour, often after a toke. In fact, always after a toke. Um, just in awe. I mean, truly inspired and moved and touched by uh, by that church. And so, so for somebody else, it may be that, or it may be a more traditional Anglican church where they sing traditional hymns, and you want to hear about Jesus, and you want to hear the old song. So let me just put that out there. This is wonderful for me, and I do have a few friends who I think might enjoy this church, but I am not. I am not, you know, saying, hey, this is the one for everyone. It's the one for me. I'm glad I found it. Now, having said that, let me tell you why it's so wonderful. Um, our mission. They have their own doctrine, a common mission statement. I'm just going to read it out to you, and, and forgive me, but it, and this is not to convince you. This is just to say why it fits for this strange person doing this strange podcast, okay? Moved by a reverence for life, to pursue justice for all, we inspire each other to seek truth, Live fully, care deeply, and make a difference. Now, I love that. I, I just, you know, it's simple, it's true, and, and these are the values that I've been looking for, wanting to find in my life for a very, very long time. Um, they have something else called Vision Works. Uh, which is summed up in five statements. I'm going to read those to you, and I may have already mentioned this on another podcast, but it won't hurt you to hear them again. Our grounding is in the interconnectedness of life. Our response to life is love. Our sources for inspiration are diverse. And by that they mean they don't just read the Bible. In fact, they rarely read the Bible, but there might be all kinds of other people, from Naomi Klein to, uh, you know, Carl Sandberg to who knows. Uh, our gatherings are multifaceted. Our vision is growth. And by growth, they're not necessarily talking about numbers, although that would apply too, but really to personal growth and development. Um, they talk about a typical Sunday. There's always an opening song, there's introductions. People walk around and shake hands and welcome each other. And I, I was a little uncomfortable about that in the start, and I've grown to like it. Uh, a lot of time for reflection. 
And I guess that's it. I don't know. Uh, there's too much. There's an explanation about why Greta has come out as an atheist. Let me just hang on here. Uh, I mentioned, I've read this one before, but I'll read it again because it doesn't hurt, all right? Skepticism is my nature. Free thought is my methodology. Agnosticism is my conclusion. Atheism is, atheism is my opinion. Humanitarianism is my motivation. All right. What else we got? I'm sure there was something else. How to give them money. Oh, I guess, and my, my favorite, and it's something we recite each week. Sorry. Jeez, this wind. Sometimes you get so mad at the wind. You want to swear. As I live, our community prayer, prayer in quotation marks, because apparently we don't pray. As I live every day, I want to be a channel for peace. May I bring love where there is hatred and healing where there is hurt joy where there is sadness, and hope where there is fear. I pray that I may always try to understand and comfort other people, as well as seeking comfort and understanding from them wherever possible. May I choose to be a light in the darkness, a help in times of need, and a caring, honest friend. And may justice, kindness, and peace flow from my heart forever. Amen. Uh, Greta and her husband, Scott Kearns, actually wrote that prayer, and I think it's a beautiful, beautiful one. And I, uh, I have no trouble at all reciting that every week. So, uh, there's a final section in this little pamphlet. I may as well keep going, right? Why not? Why not? On what, what it is that makes them like other churches and what it is that were unlike other churches. So, let me read the unlike other churches first. We rarely read the Bible in our services, and when we do, we read it alongside other sources of inspiration. We draw from many sources, including novels, journal articles, blogs, poems, non-fiction books, memoirs, videos, and music in our services. We don't recognize the Bible as the more authoritative as more authoritative than other sources. Our minister and some of our members publicly identify as atheists. We don't pray together, but instead share our cares and concerns with each other to help bear each other's burdens and celebrate each other's joys. So that's why this is a little unlike other churches. Do you want to hear why they are like other churches? I suppose I should. We gather weekly to sing, share, ponder, cry, laugh, and eat. We have an outreach committee that helps folks in need in the wider community. We have a chancel guild that decorates the space. We contribute, we contribute as we are able, financially and otherwise, to support the work we do together. We mark the passage of time with rituals that help us celebrate and find meaning in things. We have members and leaders from diverse places, races, sexualities, genders, economic backgrounds, and we try to respect each other. We have special services throughout the year that mark the passing of seasons and help us retell important stories. That's how they are like other churches. All right, I guess I'm going to uh, 
put this thing away. I had this discussion with my wife and my son, and both are adamant, 100%, uh, that she should lose her church. Greta, is, if she's an atheist, she should not be leading a church, and uh, either the church should be closed or they should have another minister in her place. And I gave up arguing. I was I was getting very annoyed with them for not seeing the way I see it, that this is the future, this is the hope for the church. If the churches are going to last at all, you need people who are free thinkers ahead of the traditional dogma and rituals that, that serve people, some people, but really don't haven't adapted to the times and, and the way organizations, groups like humanists have, have moved and are growing. But they don't see it that way. No, no. A church, you have to believe, you have to read from the Bible and you have to believe in God and Jesus. Boom. That's it. End of story. So they will not be coming with me to any of the services, nor will I try and convince them otherwise. Uh, wow. Oh, sorry. 21 minutes. Well, I guess that's... Um, that's what I gave you, and I guess that doesn't leave room for too much more, but that, to me that was important. Uh, it is a, a part of my life that I'm enjoying and, and will, I believe will continue to enjoy and uh, even become more and more involved in. So I'll let it go at that. This is Ken, sometimes known as the Scarborough Dude. Uh... Looking forward to the camp and travel portions of my study tour when all my work is done, or most of it anyway. The rest is easy, just interviewing the students and making some plans um, and hoping I'll be able to walk enough and be ready and that when the students arrive, all their host families will be in place and give them the good, kind care and love that uh, I've come to expect of the host families I've always had in the past. And uh, there we go. I'll give you a song. Oh, I may be, just for the record, I may be, uh, this may be a little bit Dylan heavy. It was 50 years ago. I was very proud of the CBC to talk about, number one, reasons why uh, medical marijuana is a good thing. They did a show on that. This is our national broadcaster doing this. Thank you. And uh, and also on the same Sunday, uh, that was yesterday, also um, a very good documentary on Dylan, uh, you know, going electric 50 years ago and pissing off the traditional folk singing crowd. So I, I think I owe it to, uh, to Dylan to uh, play some of his tunes here. So that's probably what you're going to hear because I love me some Bob Dylan. Bye for now. They sat together in the park As the evening sky grew dark She looked at him and he felt a spark to his bones Twas then he felt alone And wished That he'd gone straight And watched out For a simple twist of fate 
They walked along by the old canal A little confused, I remember well And stopped into a strange hotel With a neon burning bright He felt the heat of the night Hit him like a freight train Moving with a simple twist of fate Saxophone someplace far off played As she was walking on by the arcade As the light bust through a beat up shade Where he was waking up She dropped her coin into the cup Above a blind man at the gate And forgot about a simple twist of fate Told himself he didn't care Pushed the window open wide Felt that emptiness inside To which he just could not relate Brought on by a simple twist of fate He hears the ticking of the clocks And walks along with a parrot that talks Hunts her down by the waterfront docks Where the sailors all come in Maybe she'll pick him out again How long must he wait One more time for his simple twist of fate People tell me it's a sin To know and feel too much within I still believe she was my twin But I lost the rain She was born in spring But I was born too late Blame it on this simple twist of fate Check. Welcome back after that song. Must have been a Dylan. I don't know which one it was. I did pick out my three favorite Dylan albums that uh, I know well and I treasure. Uh, Blonde on Blonde, Highway 61 Revisited, and Nashville Skyline. Love those three albums. And, uh, of course, I've got a lot more, including recent stuff. But anyway, I'm going to pick and choose songs. You will hear them here. Celebrating one of our great, I was going to say hour, is it hour? If he's American, is it still hour? Look at all my heroes, Dylan, Kerouac, Henry Miller, Timothy Leary, they're all American. And 
that's okay with me. It's Western civilization, Western culture, I guess. Um, did I give the date? The uh, 14th of July, so a week today. I will be uh, riding the new Pearson Express, or what is it? UP Express, Union to Pearson. Train for the first time to uh, get out there and wait for my students to get in from Japan. And then find the charter coach and get them back in to meet their families and host families. Then take a picture, make a couple of speeches and announcements and just get things in motion for the next crazy 10 days. And somewhere in the middle of that, I'm going to try and make it to Hamilton for the Marshall McLuhan roundtable discussions. I can't miss that. So, as of today, I still have one teacher not placed... And uh, one girl in kind of an iffy situation, which we have to uh, straighten out somehow. But <clears throat> nothing we can do about that. Today's chores were um, just to update some of my paperwork and print off confirmation sheets for the buses that I charter every, you know, every summer. Make sure I got the right, you know, form in case the bus doesn't show up on time, the school bus. And uh, then pre-ordered 44 shawarmas for my girls. Uh, that was nice. I go to the same guy my son told me about, Nasib, a wonderful man. And he knows my wife. He knew my son. Uh, when he went to Wexford, my son used to go there for lunch sometimes. And we go and we talk about family. And this is just a man. He's from the Middle East. And in fact, uh, I think he's from uh, Palestine kind man with beautiful children and I just, I'm happy to give him my business every year I was happy to meet his children and his wife and it's always pleasant smiles and a pleasant talk and I just, I feel so good when I go in there and maybe that's just me feeling good because I'm I don't know, being nice to somebody from the Middle East, I hope it's not as as base as that, but it, 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 I don't think it is, I think, because I am a nice person, and, I, and it, it makes me feel good, but the thing is, it's mutual, he's happy to, hey, how are you doing, ask me about my son, and so it's always a knife ex- nice exchange, knife exchange, oh my god, and uh, my wife has been there too, and knows him, and it's, ah, talk a little bit about business, we talked about Eid, the end of uh, their uh, uh, fasting, and he was talking about how excited his little girl was because they've got presents all wrapped and they can't open them until, I guess it's next weekend. Uh, this coming weekend, yeah. And that was just nice, you know. It was just there was just a, a bit of joy in there. God damn, I'm not doing a very good job of explaining it. I, I think I'm being very defensive. That's why. It was just a simply a nice encounter, and all the business I do on this tour, and I was telling this to him, when I go to Popeye's, I speak nicely, I, I get a good price and so on. When I go to the sub shop, I deal with the same people each year when I can, and it's always a pleasant encounter. I make it easy for them if it's cash is better or whatever. And I like everything about the program to have a good feeling about it. It's never just business, and I, I can't even understand. Well, I can't understand, but it's it's just not me to do business for the sake of business, to be making a profit at somebody's expense and so on. This, this is not, not the way I'm built, not something I'm capable of doing. And it's just everybody's happy on these things, and it's, it's great. It's just great. 
in, in that sense, forgive me, but I've been very successful in, you know, running a business on positive terms. I still have this faint feeling that there are lurkers, people listening in who really haven't bought into it, or maybe, you know, uh, certainly don't know me that well and may be questioning many of the things I'm saying or, or what kind of podcast is this anyway. And uh, again, I want to repeat, I want to just get it out there. There's a whole range of podcasts, and they can be on any topic. Maybe you're a golfer, a fisherman, maybe you love uh, art, maybe there's, you know, you want to know more about business, or public speaking, anything. You can find a podcast on any topic. This particular type are what is known as personal journals, and they're meant to be exploratory, they're meant to be boring, perhaps, but they're meant to let the guards down and, and just try and be open and be yourself and, and let others who are listening feel, hey, that's okay, and I want to feel free to be myself too, just as I am, complete with all my weaknesses, flaws, and, and strengths as well, which we all need to celebrate. So if that's not your cup of tea, if you don't quite get that, please, please, please stop listening. Thank you. Goodbye. Uh, something from church uh, last Sunday. Uh, he quoted Yogi Berra. This is um, John up at the front, and, and I just like the twist he put on it. Uh, Yogi Berra's quote was, no matter where you go, there you are. Simple, funny, but you know, if you take it the right way, you take it almost in a Zen-like sense. It's it's wonderful. But uh, John's twist was, no matter where you've been, here you are. And I felt almost like that applied to me. Wow, I'm sitting in this church on this Sunday, and I've been to many places, and I've taken a long, strange journey, and yet here I am, feeling very much at home in this in this church now. I'm saying that, and for balance, I want to also tell you, I'm just listening to the tail end of the latest Shane Tom Squeezebox, although Shane has rebranded, it's just called Squeezebox Podcast with Shane and Tom, that's fine, he's done a wonderful little animated cartoon, which you can check out, neither Shane or Tom are very familiar with the Podcast Emporium, because they've sort of, they remove themselves from the group, they want to be the center of it, but they're also out of it. Um, but it is, I mean, the first half hour was probably about taking a dump and, and wiping up afterwards or something along those lines, which is definitely not what a lot of people would consider funny or clever. And it's never meant to be. It's just meant to be as silly and childish. And it makes me laugh. It might not make anybody else laugh, but it sure makes me laugh. And there's the counterbalance to uh, being serious and going to church and uh, thinking about all the bad things that are happening everywhere in the world. Um, well, I've got some notes here. Can't see the future. Can't see into the future, but looking back, it's also inevitable. You know that, again, I've talked about this, if you could have this viewpoint of, of being above your life and looking down and following this, from this perspective of of time and distance to being able to see the, the whole pathway and, and how it all connects and every twist and turn, what led to each twist and turn and each decision. And uh, 
when you arrive at a point, if you can go backwards each time to each moment, to each decision-making point, you know, to everything that happened, um, an example would be for me having that free subscription to the Star and having happening to read that article about this particular church in West Hill and going to it and, and going to it ever since then and all the ripples that will cause or has caused. Now, was it inevitable that I would have gone to that church? No, I don't think so. There's a very good chance I never would have heard about it had it not been for reading that article. Was it inevitable I read that article? Well, on one sense, yeah, I was probably sitting in front of the TV and there was nothing good on. I picked up the paper or something like that. There was that opening of time. But it could so easily have been something good was on TV or somebody decided to phone me from out of the blue and I put the paper back down and never picked it up again and everything would be different. And that's that's the mind-blower. How any one little piece that you unravel, any one little twist or turn that you don't take or that you take in the opposite direction changes everything. And yet, you end up, there you are. Where you're supposed to be, is that right? Can you say that now or just, you know, you just end up where you are? Who could say it's where you're supposed to be? It's where you naturally got to because of everything that happened preceding that. But is there any sense of that's where I'm supposed to be? I've always claimed to have believed that. And right now as I'm talking to you, I'm beginning to doubt that seriously. I just happen to be here. Why today? Why am I sitting in the park in Thompson Park talking to you right now? Because... God, I just feel a need to get some of this crap out of my system. <sighs> All right. New topic. Orange is the New Black. I love that show. I'm almost finished season three. I think it is just brilliant television. Uh, the storylines are so good. And I guess what appeals to me the most about it, first there's a novelty, oh, something inside a women's prison. It doesn't take long before you grow not to like the, the main character, Piper, uh, the person who wrote the book as well or told the story. But it's you realize, well, that's not really important because the the... the, the series becomes more and more and more about all the other characters and then you want to find out well how did they get there what is their backstory and where are they going to go what's the future going to hold and it applies to the prisoners and it applies to the staff as well and I, I have just become so caught up and caring you know for the staff twice today there were tears, and you know, not a, a wailing and gnashing of teeth and not rolling down my face, but just that point where you're aware, hey, I'm crying at this scene. Uh, one where um, Big Bo, she's sort of a big boo, sorry, a giant uh, dyke, I guess, for want of a better word. I, probably that's the best word, I don't know. Big girl, she's trying to help um, Tiffany, who's been abused by one of the guards. And she does it in a brutal way. She throws a bunch of chocolate bars on her bed and says, Okay, now I want you to eat me out. And uh, Tiffany says, Why? Why? Don't do this to me because they're, they're friends. And she's just brutal with her. No, you have to. I've paid for it and you're that kind of girl. You, somebody, you just do what somebody tells you. And, and eventually, of course, Tiffany just breaks down and cries. And then she gets a big hug from 
Big Boo, who was just trying to show her. Okay, don't you see? That's exactly what this guy did to you. And we're going to get him. And it was such a, a... There was so much love in the scene. There was so much love that Big Boo had for Tiffany. They wanted to protect her and, and, and did what was right. And then when you get the background story of Big Boo, how hard it was for her when her parents wouldn't accept her and wanted her to wear dresses and she just wanted to wear jeans and, and have short hair. And they were saying, just can't you do it just for this once? And her mother was always sick and the father would plead with her, please, 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 can't you do this for your mother just this once? And all along, Big Boo was, can't my mother see me for who I am just this once? I mean, that was just a wonderful, wonderful rich story. And there's something about American television at this level that is just getting better and better. It is an art form at its peak. And I just have so much admiration for the actors, the writers, the directors, the cinematographers, everybody who's involved in putting this together. Uh, it, it's just, it's wonderful. And, and it's just come so far from... 50, 60 years ago, uh, when I was a child and you, you watched, you know, family TV, Father Knows Best or something, and I guess for its time it was fine, it was funny, it was good entertainment, the whole family could watch. I certainly could not, could not watch Orange is the New Black with, uh, with my parents in the room, but times have changed, and uh, I'm just celebrating that fact. I got a whole list of the characters here, Red, and Norma, and Caputo, and Sam, and how much I enjoy them. So, and the other time I sort of teared up was when uh, Caputo came back and was going to help the guys unionize. The other, there was another wonderful sub-theme of here is a, a woman's prison and then it gets sold to a corporation and suddenly it's changed because the corporation sees this as a profit enterprise and they're going to have the girls make these underwear that they can sell for a dollar an hour wage and they're going to cut down on the kind of food and bring in other stuff that's cheaper and everything is about expenses and suddenly all the staff are laid off and there is no more union and they have no more benefits and they're going to work on an hourly wage part-time their hours are cut back and it's what you see happening in America and this is a a huge powerful theme running through the episode of wow What's it going to take? And you feel the pain of each of these guys having to pack groceries on a weekend so they can just bring their wages up high enough for their income up high enough so they can support their families. Now, they've lost these good union-paying jobs. And that was terrific. I mean, it was a really powerful story running through several episodes. And each time, and you suddenly you come in, wow, these guys are getting screwed. Those fuckers in head office who... You know, they did cut to a scene where a bunch of guys in a boardroom making the, you know, well, sure, rehabilitation is fine, but let's just go one step at a time. And, you know, first things first, you got to keep an eye on the bottom line, blah, blah, blah. That was really worth telling. And whoever put it out there, it's just a wonderful, wonderful message to have and to promote and to get people thinking about because you take that and you apply that to real life. Wow. What's happening here under our goddamn Harper government and these big, huge jails that are run as private enterprises and they, they do better when they have more prisoners? Hats off to President Obama. Thank you once again, Obama, for um, bringing to light the injustice 
of people who are in jail for life, in jail till they die, basically, because of the three strikes law. And it could be for a minor offense. And I, I went online to the American Civil Liberties Union, three cheers, for some of the issues. Somebody stole a garden, stole tools out of a tool shed. Well, his third strike, he'll never get out of jail. Somebody else, uh, oh, stole a wallet. Third strike, boom, in forever. Somebody else, uh, a girl, uh, an abused woman, carrying her uh, boyfriend's, abusive boyfriend's cocaine and money because he insisted and he'd beat her up or her children up. If she didn't, she gets caught. She's doing heavy jail time. We'll never get out. We'll never see her children again. Uh, Those are the extreme cases, but Obama went through and released a number of people in for non-violent crimes. This is outrageous. You would put somebody in prison for life? What the fuck is the matter with you, goddamn America? Jesus fucking Christ. This, so many of us want to believe this Walt Disney version of this is the wonderful, best, freest country in the world. And we know it's not, and it never has been. But we still want to have some hope that she, with all that intelligence, with that sort of rover going shooting past Pluto, and all the wonderful things that have been achieved, achieved in America and technology and innovation and medicine and science with the brilliance and the freedom that's in America. Surely, surely, surely it can apply all across the board. And you look at these people running for fucking political office to be the president on the Republican Party. Holy good Christ, something is really, really, really distorted and sick. This is like a bad cartoon. That's what good shows like Orange is a New Black do to me. They provoke me. They, they stimulate me. They make me think. They make me look. They make me see beyond this passive entertainment. This is not chuckles and laughs. This is something to think about. All right, I guess I've probably done enough for now. Um, that was fun. And uh, this definitely, this podcast, known as Baby Sally Talks, which I still have to justify and explain, uh, well, you know what it's all about. You know what it's become. You know what it is. Boys and girls, enjoy this next tune. Bye for now. into the room with your pencil in your hand you see somebody naked in you you say who is that man you try so hard but you don't understand just what you will say when you get home because something is happening here but you don't know what it is do you, Mr. Jones? You raise up your head and you ask, is this where it is? 
And somebody points to you and says It's his And you say what's mine And somebody else says well what is And you say oh my god am I here all alone But something is happening And you don't know what it is Do you Mr. Jones You hand in your ticket And you go watch the geek Who immediately walks up to you When he hears you speak And says how does it feel to Be such a freak and you say impossible as he hands you a bone And something is happening here but you don't know what it is Do you, Mr. Jones? You have many contacts Jacks to get you facts when someone attacks your imagination. But nobody has any respect, any way they already expect you to all give a check to tax deductible charity organizations. the professors and they've all liked your looks with great lawyers you have discussed lepers and crooks you've been through all of F. Scott Fitzgerald's books you're very well read it's well known but something is happening here and you don't know what it is Well, the sword swallower, he comes up to you and then he kneels. He crosses himself and then he clicks his high heels. And without further notice, he asks you how it feels. Says, here is your throat back. Thanks for the loan. And you know something is happening, but you don't know what it is. Do you, Mr. Jones? Now you see this one-eyed midget shouting the word now. And you say, for what reason? And he says, how? And you say, what does this mean? And he screams back, you're a cow. Give me some milk or else go home. And you know something's happening, but you don't know what it is. Do you, Mr. Jones? into the room like a camel 
and then you frown. You put your eyes in your pocket and your nose on the ground. There ought to be a law against you coming around. You should be made to wear earphones. Cause something is happening and you don't know what it is. Do you, Mr. Jones? be going is she rolling it is and uh, this is ken and it is thursday morning i think thursday yeah yes and i am at a place i have never podcast from before the rouge hill eglin the rouge hill go train station and I was uh, I was in the neighborhood. I was along Lawrence and uh, heading towards Port Union. That's sort of the east end of Scarborough. Uh, visiting a host family, a, the newest, latest host family that I have for uh, one of my students. The, the one last piece of the puzzle I needed to find and fit in. And it was just a wonderful visit. Uh, such, such nice people. And it's the it's the part of the job that I I can say I'm good at just chatting with people and going in and sitting in the living room and I think it's there's a level of comfort that I have. It's helped, of course, when they have a beautiful old cat that I can play with and talk to. But it's it's just it's human interaction. There's warmth. There's care. There's kindness. There's the things that do mean something to me that wouldn't have meant as much, maybe, when I was young. I, no, that's not true. I think they always did, but the focus is a little different. And uh, this was good. Now, before I go any further in that direction, I want to jump onto something that uh, that's affecting me, and I don't think it should be bothering me the way it is. It, it, it just seems crazy that I'm still this way. And that is being affected by what other people are doing or other people's successes or or something that that makes me compare myself to somebody else and then come out on the losing end. I don't do it when I'm out on the winning end. Oh, I'm better than him or her. Or I can do that and they can't. Ha ha. It only works this way when somebody else says something, does something, and I compare and I think, oh, I, I can't do that, or I'm not as good at that. It's it's nuts. It's stupid. It's pointless. It's childish. It's something you do maybe when you're very young and insecure. Why in the world? What I feel that way at this age, it's beyond me. It really doesn't make sense. Uh, but I'm guilty of it. I can't even give you a specific example. Sometimes it goes back to, I'll see a, a picture of a, a parent and a happy child doing something together, and then right away it's the old, oh, my God, I should have done more of that with my children. And Gee, I wasn't as good a father, and 
those kids are going to love their father more than mine will love me. And, and that is one whole area. God, it's annoying. And I really do have to eventually get to the point where I can just park that. But I, I'm, I can't. I'm still, still doing it. And it's a theme. If you've listened to other episodes or the Dixon Jeans episodes, you will hear repeated continually of uh, my failures as a father, for example. Or, and I know other people may feel this way themselves, you know. And I think you have to compare, okay, well, what was it? What was your own relationship with your own father like? And is was yours any better with your children? I don't know about that. I, I think I'm certainly closer to my children and more relaxed with my children than I ever would have been with my own father or, or him with me. Wow. That was a very short via rail train whistling through on the same tracks here. We're right on the edge of Lake Superior, Lake Superior, Lake Ontario here at this Rouge Hill go station. Uh, so, I guess maybe not much more to be said other than me owning up to that. What, uh, what else do we have to uh, get into? I, I kind of, I'm ahead of the game. I wanted to put this podcast out soon. I already chose the Dylan tunes that I'm including. And I just kind of wanted to be done with it. And yet, at the same time, I'm thinking, but, but dude, oops, 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 oops. But Ken, you haven't given them anything solid. You haven't given them anything real. And I guess that's another little thing I'm still dealing with is that I did reach the point when I was doing the Dixon Janes podcast of not caring so much. Like just, boom, let it go. Hey, it is what it is. That's what you get. And I think I'm because this is new, I'm still struggling a little bit with this to think, oh, well, I've got to make it worth their while if they tuned in and they listened. I have to give them something solid that uh, they can walk away with. <sighs> On my lap here, I have the story of Canada, that same book, and I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I've just finished the part where uh, um, they won the Battle of the Plains of Abraham, you know, that uh, uh, England is now in control of this whole part of the continental North America, uh, except for at this point for uh, Louisiana. And um, they're just wondering, well, what do we do with it now? How do, what, how do we make something out of these provinces? They had kicked out the Acadians, the French, and, uh, and now they're not populated enough. They've got to start filling up Nova Scotia again. So it's this whole, it, it's just a wonderful story. It, it's, it's so, I was going to say un predictable i mean we know the history we know how it turned out but maybe it could have turned out in in different ways and there there's a point that really really does interest me what impact does the individual really have over his own life over other people's lives like for example my choice to or my decision to raise my children in canada to leave japan when they were 2 and 4 years old and start a new life here uh, that was major impact on shaping their personalities, their future of their lives. What if I had stayed another two years and they'd come back at the age of six and four 
that would have been different again. So those decisions, but the same way my father's decision to uh, leave Valleyfield when that part of the St. Lawrence Seaway project was finished and his job on Camp 3 and dredging the St. Lawrence was done, his overseeing that end of the uh, that project in 58, all right, it was time to move on. He was going to be transferred to work in Montreal. All right, we've got to live in a suburb of Montreal. Wow, that sure changed my life um, in ways that we'll just never know. Not much, not much, not much further to go on. I mean, I guess I could have, should have planned a topic, but again, I, I like this idea that no, no, I'm I'm on the spot. The recorder is going. You know, hey, they're listening now. You better come up with something. But oh, I know. Today I was watching Mighty Ships. Now I love Discovery Channel. There's there's all kinds of odd things that show up on that. How it's made is one of my favorite shows. I'm just blown away continually when I see the human ingenuity that goes into manufacturing things, the number of machines that will go for... The other day, it was a machine for laying out traffic cones on the highway, maybe when they're doing some road work or painting the lines and they have to block off a part of a highway. In the old days, like there'd be somebody sitting in the back of a truck dropping these cones, and well, now they had this incredibly computerized machine that knew exactly how far to pace them and how fast to go on this huge incredible expense to do, including uh, the same machine being able to use to scoop them all up and put them back into these rotating racks. Like, amazing the cost of designing, of manufacturing, and yet, at the end of it, well, for sure there's a few humans who are out of work now. Now, not that that was a great job, planting traffic cones on a highway, but over time... The economics would dictate, hey, it's cheaper to have a machine to do it, even though we had to invent this and design this and build this and so on. Uh, so that's the how it's made. Now, the one I watched today was Mighty Ships, and this was on a Russian ship called the Marco Polo. And they'll take the ship through its journey. This was sort of the through the Baltic area and just wonderful and then showing the problems oh my god there's a couple of freighters crashed this whole passageway is blocked off they're going to have to reroute and they're showing you the maps they're showing the engine they're showing the cruise director they're showing the captain they're showing the tugboats they're showing everything about ships that's just so amazing and so wonderful wow here comes the train you might have guessed and and I thought, wow, would I ever love to do that? And, of course, that trick and thought, well, wait a minute. You have. 1969, you left from Greece, from the port of Piraeus, on a Turkish freighter called the Kara Denise, heading for, and I guess this would have been January 1970, heading for... Naples, Marseille, and Barcelona. Wow, a Mediterranean cruise, $30 on a small Turkish freighter. It was amazing. And, of course, we got boosted up into tourist cabins. I've told this story before, but it's just, I was reminded, you know, when I thought, wow, it'd be so neat to do those things. How many people actually get to travel on freighters now? Yeah, you can do it. 
it's become a very fashionable way to travel for a lot of people. But this is, hey, this is you'd go into a local office and you'd book passage on a Turkish ship heading to Mar- heading to uh, Barcelona. Wow. And then what was the other one I did? Yes, when my wife and I left Japan and did the Trans-Siberian Railway. We had a two-day trip on a Russian freighter and, and a beautiful one. I can't remember the name. It was one of, I think it was the last year that it was going to be in service in that area anyway, going from Yokohama to Vladivostok, a two-day journey through Japan. and the, it, it just was fantastic. And it was so romantic and it was so exciting. And I remember standing up on the deck and seeing my wife, this little figure, standing at the bow of the ship as we pulled out of Yokohama. Wow. When was that? That would have been 19... Gosh, we did this round-the-world trip, 1987, I guess. We literally sailed, went around the world, went to Vladivostok from Japan, across Siberia to Moscow, train to Prague, and then throughout Europe, ending up finally in London, England, getting a passage, a flight, a cheap flight out of a bucket shop from London all the way to Vancouver craziest of things. Get to Vancouver, buy a car, drive across the country all the way to Ottawa so she can meet my parents for the first time. That was a treasure. That was a trip. So, I do have things to celebrate. And this this gets back to this first thing about me comparing myself to others. Well, how many of my listeners have done what I just did? Not many, and yet you're not going to compare yourself and feel shitty because you didn't do that. No. You're mature. You're sensible. And I'm not holding that up as a flag to wave and say, ah, look at me. Look what I did. I'm just trying to tell myself that I should be grateful, be happy about the things I have done with my life. And, and never mind this goddamn comparing to this person or that person or this success or that failure or whatever you've perceived to be good or bad. That's just crazy, crazy, crazy. So there we are. This is Ken wanting to celebrate the life I've had and, and wanting to get to a point, more than anything, wanting to get to a point where I can say, hey, lighten up, let go, quit worrying. Uh, I will conclude with one last thing. I was... Um, texting with my son in Melbourne uh, about <coughs> a visit and whether I should make this just a trip to Melbourne and back on my the points that I've got or whether I should make side trips out of Australia and head off to Thailand to visit uh, Rob and uh, maybe see the Barstool Buddha as well and should there be should I be starting to plan some travel in my life and and get myself on the road again and lift my spirits again because they are starting to sag especially over this stupid clump of a walk I have and the worry that this may never be cured um I have to go ahead so that's next January uh, my good friend Chris who we used to call the boy who was one of the original founders of the rock who has it now, in fact, and I'll be going to get the rock. So it's time for me to start planning that January trip to Australia. It's time for me to say, hey, fuckhead, quit your whining, quit your complaining. You're not dead yet. Christ almighty, you're only 67. But sorry about the swearing language. I mean, that's... 
another train racing back, another via rail. Sorry about that. I know it's rude, but uh, it's just something that I gotta, I gotta let go of. It, it's a way of me sort of giving, give your head a shake, or in my case, just give your head a slap to um, smarten up. Get on, get back to that spirit you used to have about living life and loving it and celebrating and not being afraid and going forward and taking on adventures and challenges. Don't park things now. Don't give up. Don't surrender to age, man. That ain't the way to go. All right, we're going to leave on that note. Thank you for listening, as always. This was a bit of a mixed-up ramble cast, but... uh, That's the way it is, and basically, yes, 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 call it what you like. This is basically a old-style Dixon Chains podcast. Thank you, friends, and hey, many of you I'm going to see in Hamilton in a couple of weeks. That's great news. So bye for now. This is Ken, signing off. Enjoy the last two. Love me and you're thinking of me, but you know you could be wrong. You say you told me that you wanna hold me, but you know you're not that strong. I just can't do what I've done before. I just can't beg you anymore. I'm gonna let you. And I'll go last Then time will tell Just who has fell And who's been left behind When you go your way and I go mine You say you disturb me And you don't deserve me But you know sometimes you lie You're shaking and you're always aching But you know how hard you try Sometimes it gets so hard to care It can't be this way everywhere And I'm gonna let you pass Yes, and I'll go last Every time we'll tell on stilts, watch out he don't fall on you You say you're sorry for telling stories that you know I believe are true You say you got some other kind of lover and Yes, I believe you do You say my kisses are not like his But 
this time I'm not gonna tell you why that is. I'm just gonna let you pass.